Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. I'm your host, as always, Mike Murray. Today, I'm super excited. And for this episode, you have to have a lot of energy. You better bring the enthusiasm because we have Bobby Gintero on with us today. Maybe one of the most excitable coaches on any NCAA pool deck that you'll walk across. I'm a little biased in my <laughs> approach to that. Uh, but uh, Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. How is everything going building the program at your alma mater? It's got to feel pretty special being back where it all started for you. Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, it's been it's been great. You know, it's been uh, it's just I'm sitting on the same chair and table that my coach Dave Allen sat. So, uh, you know, every day I go to work, it's just kind of like a dream come true. Sometimes I'm like, man, is this true? You know, I mean, <laughs> so looking at the pool every day that I swam in for four years. So this program and in, in the city of Wilmington means a lot for me. Uh, I came from another country with, you know, really came to United States with no family. I still have no family outside my wife family. And, and they gave me a lot. Uh, you know, my, my coach Dave Allen and the university and the city of Wilmington gave me a lot. Uh, uh, and and I, I wouldn't be here without UNCW swimming and diving program. So being back in Wilmington, definitely uh, it's a dream come true. So it's been fun. Um, even an, an interesting year, obviously, but, uh, but that's okay. It's, uh, you know, we, 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 we take the positive. Well, I know if anybody can handle pivoting changes, you can do it with that enthusiasm. Talk to me, Bobby, about the state of North Carolina, why it's important to you. You had a wonderful run with Braden Holloway at NC State. You had such a great experience there. So many great coaches working with you there um, and coaches who have now gone on to, to be head coaches elsewhere. Our, our friend Brent Nigro at West Point uh, and a few others. Talk to us about the state of North Carolina and why you've been so successful there and, and some of the things that make Braden's program so successful at NC State. Yeah, I think the state of everything starts, the foundation starts before college at swimming, right? Um, I think club coaches in the state of North Carolina are some of the brightest coaches in the nation. Um, you know, one of my good friends are He's an age group coach, uh, you know, 12 and under. And Rob Norman is, he is one of the smartest coaches out there that I've ever known. And I always talk to him when I was in Raleigh. I'll call him up and, and we know each other when I know his girlfriend. His girlfriend went to school with me in UNCW. So we know way back, right? And I, I talk on the phone with him. He, he coached 13 and under and just talk, just sharing ideas and I think, you know, we have so many coaches like that uh, within driving distance uh, on the east side, North Carolina, on the west side in Asheville, right in the middle and in Charlotte, in Raleigh, it's just so rich, uh, uh, the, the history of the swimming history. So I think that makes really a perfect situation for the collegiate programs to be successful. Um, obviously we got the NC State, right? And UNC is coming up, they're gonna be really good. Duke under coach Dan Colola, they're always good. Um, you know, and, and again, in Charlotte, you go, you got Queen University. I mean, they're D2 national champions, right? So, so right now when, when this program's opening up, um, you know, I always have a dream to come back to Wilmington because my wife is from North Carolina. Um, so we wanted to build our family where, you know, we, I like to have a son or daughter. And, and when, when I was growing, obviously growing up and now that I have a son, we have a son, I want him to grow up near my wife family because my family is halfway around the world. So, um, so I, I promised my wife that, you know, when we have family, we will be close, a little bit somewhat closer to her family at driving distance. Um, so, we, I wasn't thinking about UNCW, and but when this job is open, and you know, we had some conversation, and they, uh, they wanted to, to reach a different level. They want to reach a new level. They want to compete in NC2A, and they, I know we have really, really good facilities, and I know we have a really good swimming community in Wilmington itself, uh, let alone the North Carolina. I mean, we're two hours away from Raleigh. We're about three hours from Charlotte. I mean, you combine the two together between Raleigh and Charlotte. I mean, we, we can make it possible down here in, in, in Wilmington and, and, you know, the school in Triangle got to share the wealth 
with 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 us beach uh, beach people. So and we always say, hey, you know, you can you can go surf down here in Wilmington outside. Uh, you know, maybe your taper practice is going to be surfing. <laughs> uh, no, but but you know, I think it's just such a. I'm a swim nerd. I follow swimming all age group. Uh, I mean, the master program is insanely uh, competitive in North Carolina. Uh, some of the master uh, records, national records, uh, we have master program here in at UNCW pool. They're some of the fastest swimmers in their age group uh, in national wise, and they practice every day. So it really, you know, it, it's it's just the energy level and the swimming side of it. it it's, it's, it's another level, I think. So I think that create a, a very competitive collegiate uh, programs. Well, you see it, and and it's great to see that that UNC is starting to come back. And you mentioned it in the triangle. There's so many great rivalries there, and you guys have really been able to tap into the time that you were at NC State. That that energy and it, and and your roster was highlighted by so many great club athletes from North mm -hmm. Carolina. And I know that you'll work to do that uh, at 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 UNCW. One of the things that I just saw you post on your social media is a new dryland room. And you're really a big, big proponent, I think, of physical literacy and developing athleticism with your athletes. Talk about uh, what, what you guys are doing for Dryland this year. Absolutely. This year is a little bit different um, because, you know, I like to call it evaluation year. Um, you know, evaluate myself, evaluate the program, evaluate the organization overall. Uh, it just kind of, I think taking time is important. Uh, for me, with especially with this program right now, um, so in terms of dryland wise, we're evaluating our student athletes in terms of what they do, what they can do, and what's their 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 best potential. And we kind of start with that, uh, very generic, to be honest with you, um, because we don't know what's the consistency, what's going to be like. Um, you know, we may we may get paused. We did, we did get paused, um, and you know, or or we may be able to continue to move forward. So. The focus was like, hey, let's make sure that we're hitting flexibility. We're hitting a overall full strength. Uh, we're not doing too much here and there, but we really, um, you know, take our time to get to that point. Uh, in fact, we just had a staff meeting, and my message to our strength conditioning coach is just, hey, yeah, let's make sure we we keeping it simple uh, in the month of January and February. We don't need to go into yes, we're we're big into Olympic lifting. Uh, I like Olympic lifting. I think. That's that's a, the most powerful movement uh, for weightlifting side of it, uh, but I told them, hey, let's let's keep it simple on the Olympic lifting, and and maybe for some people that they're very flexible into in on term on, on on the hip flexor wise of it, maybe let's move the bar instead of from from bring squat and just go a little bit more underneath bar. So so let's just be conservative. So the theme of this year is very conservatively moving forward. I think that's that's how I I. I I put it down together, I guess. Um, in terms of dryland outside the weight room, we're just focusing on, again, building up the uh, aerobic capacity wise with a lot of jump ropes and still building up some muscle and muscle capacity, muscle endurance capacity uh, with some medicine ball, but nothing really, nothing really complex. Um, and again, being conservative and not getting hurt is it's really important. Um, so, so we're really focusing on that for this year. It looks like you have some fun things planned in that room. And I know that the, the divers will be super excited because you got a good setup there for them. One thing I wanted to really focus on today was you are one of the best young coaches at developing a sense of fun at practice. A couple things come to mind and some of the stories I know firsthand from things that Michaela told me. And then other times I see you on Instagram toss them back and forth a water polo ball and then the kids are sprinting 15 meters into a turn going a hard underwater kick and a no breath breakout talk to me about some of the things that you do to incorporate fun in your workouts and then we'll jump into every other facet of that question sure um you know i, I like to challenge myself more and you had a really really great interview with dave Saylor. he's my hero, man. I mean, you know, as a young one, I mean, he was at USC already when, when I swam and I follow him and I you know, really 
heard a lot of interviews. One one of the things that my I think my first year at NC State or my second year at NC State, I was a graduate assistant and the volunteer assistant that year at, at NC State, his name is Wes Foltz, who's an assistant coach at Virginia right now. Uh, Wes Foltz and I, we, we, we got the shift or driving back and forth between Greensboro and Raleigh every day after every session. So we would drive back and forth literally, ah, God, like nine times, like nine trips, like in three and a half days, right? Um, so it was a lot, but uh, it was at Wellsfold's car and we were listening to a lot of podcasts. And one of the, our favorite was Dave Saylor because uh, he, you know, we, we both are a fan of Dave Saylor and Dave is such a big, big influence in terms of understanding the physiology, understanding the science behind what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so I challenged myself to be, to really getting understanding the, the physiology standpoint, the science behind it, rather than focusing on the sets, um, you know, rather than focusing on 10, 100s, what type of stroke, technique, whatever. It's let's just focus on a physiology standpoint and understand what we're trying to accomplish with, with this particular swimmer. And everybody's different, right? Um, but I feel like if I understand what we're trying to accomplish and I understand the science behind it, it doesn't have to be back and forth swimming. Um, you know, we can really build aerobic with, you know, 20 seconds, flutter kick, go around into no push off, right into five, do five butterfly, go around into breaststroke do with dolphin kick, dress of the 25, come back some backstroke and then finishing up 50 freestyle and maybe hop out, do some 60 jump ropes. And we're managing the intensity like, hey, we can stay on the aerobic standpoint and see where the heart rate's going to be. And that could be aerobic, right? Or we can make that as a really speed endurance. So like, okay, maybe break things down a little bit and giving the ratio that to make sure our body can produce a this much intensity. But if you want to produce this intensity, we got to go focus on the rest standpoint. So, so I do think that understanding the science, um, it's, it's the step number one that I always challenge myself uh, uh, to, to really get to know that first. Uh, I think to me, uh, that kind of, you know, Introduce my creativity uh, in terms of how I write practices. Um, so I don't really, I don't really have any specific like favorite set. But I'm just like, okay, I want to hit this energy system, and before we get trying to hit this, getting their body ready to go, make it sure focusing on the skill a little bit, and then while increasing the intensity, so our body ready to go for this particular thing that we're going to work on. Um, so that's kind of and 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 allow me to be very very, it's allow me to have freedom. Sure. And, and when you have freedom, you have fun. There's no doubt about that. And when you're thinking about maybe doing something innovative that other coaches haven't done, what are some of the things that you're processing? Like when you're going to apply these new ideas to the practice environment, what are some of the considerations that you have? I think two things, right? Um, there's, there's two things that I always focus on. Uh, number one is skill work. Uh, the skill work I'm a big fan of particular, like specific drills. Um, it's like if anyone ever trained 50 freestyle group uh, under my training group, they, they barely, well, number one, they don't have practice in front of them. And number two, like every drill that I do is always very, uh, it's almost like not the same drill over and over again in the one block. It's almost like I have three different drills or four different drills. And I will go drill number one, go to number two, go to number three, go to number four, and back into go number one, number two. So get the brain going a little bit more. So when it, when it comes down to skill, uh, I was always focusing on, okay, what type of drill that get their mind working? So it's, instead of trying to go creating perfection and instead of trying to create a, uh, how do you say, how do, how do you put it to words, a more um, execution-wise and learn, teaching the brain to execute what we're trying to accomplish, whether it is a, a good catch, whether it is uh, a rhythm type of drill, uh, whether it is a power drill. So that's what I'm always thinking about, okay, involving the brain and, and forget about, uh, repetition is good, but I'm, I'm not a big fan of repetition um, in a way because I want them to execute and I want them to know how to execute rather than to repeat because, uh, you know, in, in our world, in collegiate swimming, I mean, especially in, in the, the, the swimmers that, that I work with over the past few years, you know, in the sprint side, 
you know, repetition, sure, you can, it's it going to help your, your muscle memory, but if you don't know how to execute 50 freestyles, everything is execution, right? Uh, if you don't know how to execute, you're sitting at night just watching the finals. Um, so, so for us, so we always focus on, I always focus on execution drill and, and moving on and not giving their body a chance too much. Like, oh, I messed up right now. I'm going to get it done the next one. Well, no, like in the next one is a different segment. Then after three or four different segments, we go back to segment number one. Then they have to like, oh, wait a minute. How do you do the first step? You know, so, so there's always kind of like uh, that. I'm, I'm a big fan of that when it comes down to skill. And then when it comes down to energy system wise, so I always know, again, my brain works in seconds. So if I want to go, hey, power, power, like it's seven seconds then or less, uh, pure power. And then we go, and I would do, all right, it can be, let's see, five cycles. That's five cycles freestyle. That's probably about, about six seconds or so, like 1.0, 1.1 stroke rate per cycle. Uh, or butterfly, we go, okay, six strokes. That's, that's the lower end of the power. If you want to go maximum power, it'll be five seconds, right? I mean, the longer you, the duration, the less, the less power you're going to produce. Uh, so, so to me, under, when you go on a, when you get into energy system wise, I'm always like, okay, what energy system we're trying to to accomplish here? And 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 again, I think the word freedom, it's really is. I I, I think writing practice like an art, and you kind of create an art, but there's a perimeter of the art that you're creating. Uh, you make sure that hey, make sure you stay true to what you're trying to accomplish on whatever practice you write. Uh, so for me, that's always in my mind and skill work. It's so important that water is not a normal element for 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 human. Uh, we only spend two hours out of twenty four hours, or maybe four hours out of twenty hours. So every time that we hit the water, hey, let's let's not waste our time to just kind of let your mind wander. Um, so I think that's that's my philosophy when I when I write practice and trying to be as I want to be as creative as I want to be able to be as creative as possible within the perimeter that I'm trying to accomplish whatever particular practice we have. Is that goal for creativity based on your passion for wanting to make the work a little bit more fun for the athletes? Absolutely. hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of athletics. I'm a big fan of track and field. Um, man, they, they go so fast, like well, eight seconds and I mean, nine seconds and 10 seconds. Right. And then you go to 200 and, but they don't run miles and miles and miles. Right? I mean, it's different sport. I understand. Right. I understand very different sport and, and depend on, on the type of swimmers that we work with. I, I, I always happen to work with middle distance and, and sprinters and coaching Andreas Fazayos at NC state challenge my other side of the coaching um, more like, Hey, we need this aerobic base because essentially the better your aerobic capacity, the better you can do uh, some repeat fifties or repeat 75, some, some race based work and the better your skill is going to be. So there is some understanding that and, and obviously with, with the sprinters, yes, aerobic aerobic for muscle uh, endurance capacity is really good and really important, but it doesn't have to be back and forth swimming. Uh, we don't have to to hurt the muscle that we trying to use to swim fast the next day by doing repetition swimming. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm very fortunate as as a swimmer. I was I was swimming under back in Indonesia. I swim under a coach that never do more than three thousand per practice. Um, he just because he doesn't like right. He doesn't like to write. He didn't like to write practice. <laughs> my my former coach. He just kind of almost like Eddie Reese, he's, he has something in his mind all the time. And so he knows what he wants and then he doesn't have to write it down and he just, boom, right there. <laughs> and, then, and then I went to Australia. Uh, I trained under Grant Stolwinder. Uh, he is he was the coach for Emin Sullivan, um, the sprinter from out of Australia. And, and I swam with Emin for about a year and he was very technical, technically safi, but no resistance swimming no resistance, everything over speed, everything efficiency. And he's always thinking about if you want to go fast, why do you go slow? And then, and then I went, and then I went over to the United States side. 
I swam at bowls. Uh, and under bowl, I mean, I was swam under coach Jeff Popel, who is now the, the, the head coach at Florida. He was very I great IM coach. Um, I learned how to swim more than 3,000 with Jeff. <laughs> uh, Jeff would know this. <laughs> um, you know, and then uh, I finishing up my, my bowls career with coach uh, Rick Bishop, who's associate head coach at Michigan, done wonderfully with the program on the women's side. Uh, Rick really teaching me how to go more middle distance type of swimming and more kind of like a sprinty and a middle distance. And then, and I came to UNC Wilmington, you know, where I swam under coach Dave Allen every, the fall semester. And then my Christmas gift every year would switch into the sprint group train under Todd Sorbo, who's the head coach of Virginia now. Um, and Todd is, was very, he was very power swimming, everything resistance. I learned a lot from, from him on power swimming and resistance swimming, very the opposite of Grant Stormwinder. And I had notes on Grant and I had notes from Todd and what's the difference, why did each program were very successful. Uh, and then obviously I called, I got my PhD in coaching at NC State uh, because my professor was Braden Holloway, was a big uh you know, influence of my coaching career. And, uh, and Braden's really, really good about being consistent in terms of, well, actually all of them, like from Bray, I learned from Braden, Todd, Gary Taylor, and Mallory Hutchin. Uh, those four coaches, they were very, in, in the beginning of my coaching career, they were very consistent when it come down to, they know exactly what they did last week at that particular practice. And they know exactly how to move forward from one one week to the next week to the next week to the next week. So that's kind of what, what I learned from from those coaches. That making sure, hey, it doesn't mean you know if you don't know anything, but if you if you know consistency, you're gonna go somewhere. It's, that's a start. So uh, that's that's me. I'm a, I'm a pretty big in terms of making sure I note write notes on everything. Um, so that's, I guess the background really helped me to become a coach I am today and just kind of take notes from different coaches and learning, truly learning about, you know, what it, you know, really from them. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, right now, like I, I think the biggest challenge was, was I was given a, a breaststroke group at NC State. Um, it was five six people my job is just to get them swimming fast and Braden was like okay congratulations this is a group for you uh, so it, I I had no idea about breaststroke I that was my weakest stroke uh, and but Braden wanted to challenge me putting me in a situation that hey you know work with these guys and girls um, I contacted USS swimming I contacted uh, Russell Mark and I'm like hey you know can you share me about breaststroke and some pointers and everything and they were they were nice enough to share some stuff with me. And uh, we go from there, made some mistake and learn from the mistake and move forward. And uh, towards I think my second year, worked really well together with a girl named Kayla Brumbum. Uh, I worked with, with Braden in conjunction with Braden and, and Mallory as well and, and, and myself. And, and we kind of give some influence on the type of breaststroke work that we were doing at the time. And our senior years to drop from double O to 58 and from 209 to 205. Uh, that was pretty, and she, she went on into went two twenty four long course meter. So uh, that that was a pretty good success. I think uh, those fun, uh, the good old days, I guess they call it. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I mean those uh, and the, the, the coaches along the way helped me shape shape who I am today. Pretty cool. At the end too, you get you get one of the best IM coaches in the history of the sport with Coach Bernardino. Coach Bernardino. Yeah, I mean, you know, Coach Bernardino, I, I hang out in his office. You know, it's literally, he probably hates me. Like, he probably kicked me out, trying to kick me out of his room all the time because I'm always coming like, Coach, what, what are you doing about this, man? What's going on? And it's so fun to get from, you know, Gary Taylor, some, one of the best distance coaches in the business. And then, and then you get Mark Bernardino, another one of the best coaches in the business on that side. So I'm kind of like, well, this is fun. Um, but you know what, Mike, I, I think some of the volunteer coaches are some of the smartest coaches I've ever run into. I mean, they're just young and they're willing to work and, and they also offer a lot of, Dan Kolopsky is one of the, one of the smartest coaches out there. And, and he's very, very, his organization wise is really good. And, 
understanding student athletes is, is up there. Uh, for a young coach, I think Dan's done a fantastic job. And then Paulina, obviously, like, uh, she's done great. So uh, I think, you know, along the way, meeting some of those people really helped me uh, to, to learn more about the sport, to, to try to, to challenge myself to be the best of me. We always heard a lot of great things in this house about those people you just mentioned. So it, it's good to hear that you felt that way too. Um, I don't know how they feel about me though. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I want to ask you a really important question and you just touched on it with the way that, that Dan interacts with the student athletes. And yeah. I, when your athletes are walking onto the pool deck in the first five minutes, what are you trying to convey to them from a team cultural standpoint? That's a good question. Um, I think I'm big into communication, uh, communicate and, and understanding how to communicate with one another is the first step. Um, for us, obviously, I, I, try to get them to understand that when I challenge you, I want to push you to be the best of you in and out of the pool. Um, and, and I want to give you some challenges. You may fail at some point. And if you fail, that's okay. That means you reach your best. That is the absolutely limit. And then let's learn how do you fail and let's move forward and learn from that failure and let's move forward to do that, right? Uh, and when you fail, it could be my fault. 50% chances might be my fault, right? So let's learn as, but we can't get to that point before understanding that communication is important. Um, you know, I learn it more as, as an associate head coach, you have a lot more time to get to know as assistant coaches, as associate head coach, you got a lot more time uh, to communicate with everyone and, and with the people that you work with, because you know, you as associate, head coach, I, I had 20 people in front of me and that's the only people that I, I need to get to know them really, really well and communicate with them, understanding them. Uh, as a person, it's really important. Understanding their their goals and and understanding you know their personalities. Um, I always tell them that you know you and I. I always tell them you and I are very we're different people. Um, you know you come from different background. I come from different background. Uh, but you come here because you believe in one thing that we want to be a part of the team. Which I want to be a part of the team as well. We want to contribute to the team. So you know understanding that we both have different backgrounds, but we're communicating with each other. is gonna help us to really show how we can work together really well. Um, and there are some points gonna be like, you know, we're human, you're human. You're not gonna like me, I'm not gonna like it just, but if we communicate, we're gonna go, okay, this is what happened, right? Okay, this is how we're gonna move forward. Um, and coachability is really important, um, but before coachability, I think communication is, is the big key. Uh, and that is a big key. And as a head coach, I need to do a better job communicating with everybody. It's, I feel like I'm touching just the service of it and, and I'm trying to do the best I can to really challenging myself to, to really get on the deep end a little bit more uh, in terms of communication with every single student athlete. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. And, and it's a great segue into my next question, which is when we talk about excitement at a swim meet, I think that this generation of athletes more than any other needs to feel like the coaching staff is really invested in their success as much as everybody else on the team. Mm -hmm. And when I've watched you over the years and, and Braden, and let's be fair, the, the NC state staff, very animated on the pool deck, whether it's during the race, mid race, post race, my favorite is post race when somebody does an, Oh my God swim and you guys go nuts. <laughs> Do you think that it helps the kids who are getting ready to swim those next events to see how excited the team is about their teammates' successes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every swim meet is a celebration, right? I mean, you got to celebrate, man. I mean, you know, you work so hard and, and let's celebrate. Let's celebrate your hard work. Let's go in there like you know, let's, let's do what we know how to do, right? And, and just as simple as that and sending that message and and sending the message that we're excited as much as you're excited, uh, you know, shoot. And I, you know, I think, I, think uh, I get a better vertical jump since, uh, since I joined the staff, right? Because like jumping all the time. And uh, I, I try, I drink a lot of coffee, especially before practices. And if I'm not excited on the pool deck, they won't be excited in the water, right? It starts with me. And, 
um, in the locker room for, for eight years when I was at NC State, the locker room on the coach's locker room, uh, before you go out, there's this, this kind of like a poster and it says that if an athlete have a bad practice, the coaches allow the athletes to have bad practice. So it, it's kind of a good reminder. You know, it's pretty simple, but hey, it's, a, it's a good reminder that, hey, you know, we can always find a positive in any situation. If athlete really broken down, like, well, okay, maybe this is a time for us to shut down and really focus on technical detail. And, you know, maybe they just really absolutely running down. Let's just not, not beating the dead horse, right? And just let it work something else, right? Um, so, and yeah, I mean, I think being animated like that, I think it helps. Um, you know, it's, the sport is so hard, right? Um, and and uh, to me, I'm the type of coach that, if we, if, if an athlete didn't get a best time or didn't go the way they went to, it's, I, I, I always tell them like, Hey, you know, it's not your fault. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm this, we're in it together. Like, let's, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out how we get there. Um, you know, and, and I think that's really important uh, for them to know that we're in it as much as they're in it as well, but we have to be in it for the right reasons, obviously. Right. Um, I think all good, all coaches, understand that they're in it for the right reason. I think that's why they stick around for uh, in, 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 a, in, in a profession, right? Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, it's funny story though. Like um, it was, this is NC, the last NC2A in Iowa. Uh, we're not gonna be there anymore, thank God, because they cut the swimming and diving. It's, it was really awful. Um, but the last NC2A in Iowa, that was uh, the 800 freestyle relay was still uh, in the end of Friday night. Uh, we, we knew our individual 200 freestyler, NCC knew our individual free, uh, 200 freestylers didn't really, uh, didn't really have a shot and individually, uh, we saved everybody. We scratched everybody Friday. Uh, we were, we were all in for, uh, for 800 freestyle really, because in, in our mind, like, well, all this 200 freestyle, they're going to swim two 200 freestyle before 800 freestyle relay. So let's save everyone. Let's just go for 800 freestyle relay because if they all swim the 200 freestyle individually, they bear, they, they, they didn't have a shot to go top eight. Maybe one person, one person have a shot to be top three. He swam it. If the three other people, at best, there'll be 10, 11, 12, or maybe like 15, 16, 17, which is like one, two, three points, six points. But then if you get, if you win the 100 freestyle relay, you suddenly not only getting the point, but you making a statement that we just take down the 800 freestyle relay title, right? So it, it's a big deal, right? So we went for it. And um, that year I worked a lot with some of those people that in, uh, in the 800 freestyle relay. And uh, in fact, Braden and I, we, we used to coach the 800 freestyle relay practice on Mondays uh, for the first five years I was there. So so we had a, we had a lot of investment in that. And I was going crazy on this because we knew we have a good shot to be top five, but we were leading until the last 50. And we were like, holy Holy cow, like we're, I was going nuts, you know, and um, after the race, we got second, but, you know, we, we just celebrated, like we just broke a world record, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and I remember like um, one coach came up to, Gary Taylor was right next to me, Gary was fired up too, but I was going crazy, and, uh, and then one, one coach came up to Gary uh, after, like, hey, you need to tell your, your co-workers to calm down a little bit, and Gary's like, you don't even know like how he looks like during the day. This is not even close. So, you know, but, but that's just me, you know, I just kind of like, well, you see what you got. And uh, I do, you know, wear my emotion on my sleeve. And, and I think it's a good thing. Maybe that's my weakness. I don't know, you know, so, but that's just the way I am. So I'm comfortable that way. Uh, it looks super fun. I can tell you that <laughs> it looks super fun. It, and, uh, you know, I, I've worked on my vertical jump over the years too. <laughs> Uh, I've seen you on deck. You got excited, <laughs> man. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you, Bobby, and I know it's been a really important part of your program throughout the years is your approach to underwater kicking. So yeah. what are some of the things that you do to work on underwater kick? I know a lot of times we don't spend uh, enough time as club coaches focusing on that. And it's probably one of the things that athletes really improve on when they get to college. So what's yeah. your approach? I, that's a fifth stroke. I mean, the fifth stroke is underwater kick. Um, so we we have the luxury of having nine practices a week. And, you know, I think with that being said, uh, we can really put two practices a week just really focusing on underwater dolphin kicks. Um, and I think that 
approaching that way to begin with. And then obviously how we build that, and I'm a big fan of not necessarily doing 25s on a water kick, but it's more the, the kick count and, and being specific on each individual. Like, hey, if the kid's only doing four dolphin kicks, let's just not worry about 12 dolphin kicks work. Let's worry about maybe six dolphin, maybe eight dolphin kicks and bring it down to like towards the last three weeks, the last four weeks of the season, just really get down those repetition of four dolphin kicks fast. Um, so really working on the detail in terms of the number first and then working on the skill, obviously working on the, the motion work and understand, making sure that they understand what we're looking for in terms of technical. And, and that's also different with person to person, right? Um, so, but, but for sure, we, we approach it like, just like I am practice or just like stroke practice. And, and that two practices uh, per week, we're gonna, that is the main focus on underwater dolphin kicks. Um, power practice, mostly power oriented, for underwater dolphin kicks and building up the, the power of underwater dolphin kicks. I like to incorporate uh, some dolphin kicks work within my freestyle sets when we do some aerobic workout. Um, you know, I got it from John Carroll. When John Carroll wrote the first practice, I see like eight, six, four, two by 25 for the hundreds. I really like that. And almost where I used to do it like the opposite, go like two, four, six, eight. But I learned that the quality of the eight on the 425 is just not good. And just creating that bad body memories, I guess, uh, right? So when, when you flip it to 8642, you're getting the good eight quality. As you get a little bit more tasking, you're still getting a good six, a good four, a good two. And then you go back. Maybe, hey, after two dolphin kicks and then swimming, you can go back to eight more because you know their body kind of like somewhat reset. But the quality over quantity is, is a big philosophy of mine. Give us an example of a set of 25s where you're really focused on the underwater kick. Sure. Um, we have this uh, underwater kicking progression. Uh, Braden Holloway started that. Uh, I think he started that when he was at Virginia Tech. Uh, I think he carried him over and, and we did we did the underwater kicking progression for all sprinters and middle distance swimmers. Uh, and we'll continue to do this here at UNCW now. Um, the, the sets start with, uh, you know, Let's go like, I think 12, we start with it and uh, we got the, the socks. And also we, we have the luxury of having power axe uh, and the power tower or power axe, right? So, so it's like a three different segment and go one of them with the socks and we go like maybe 12 repetition of maybe the first week with 14 dolphin kicks, just building up that, taking about 20 to 30 second rest or so, building up that muscle endurance. And then after that segment, 12 repetition, you go into tower, go another 12 repetition of the same kick count. And then you're finishing up with 12 repetition with fins all at 25. So, so it's kind of go like that, right? And then bi-weekly you increase, either decreasing the kick count, increasing the volume of the repetition or you're adding more weights and stuff. So it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of that. And, and again, being consistent on there's a progression to it every week. Um, and at the same time, and focusing on power endurance, strength endurance, and building up the, the endurance capacity, uh, uh, the strength capacity wise, uh, within the week and within the, the repetition, I think that's really important. So, so yeah, I think that's, that's, uh, Again, 12, no more than, not much more than 14 dolphin kicks when we put uh, parachutes or, or any socks, because I mean, in reality, they don't really do much more than 10 dolphin kicks per 25 when they race. So we, the end goal is, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish? Like the end goal is like maybe as strong as really as fast as you can, eight dolphin kicks and repeat that for four laps or eight laps, whatever that is. You talked earlier about the importance of details and being consistently efficient with your details. And in the races that are competed at the highest level at the NC2A, the 50 free, the 100 free, the 200 free. And now, listen, the 500 is becoming more and more of a sprint, sprint. every single year. Absolutely. Um, what are you doing in practice to kind of remind athletes about skills that are unique to them while maintaining the macro focus of the group? Sure. Really, communication and re I, I don't, 
I don't sit down during practice. Uh, my rule is you have to say something to somebody every time they touch the wall. It's uh, whether it is a critical, whether it is nice job, that was really good what you did over there, that breakout, that was really nice, clean breakout. And, and really remind them certain things, because everybody's different, right? Everybody uh, that essentially how the, they, the, way, the way a person A ex execute whatever race is gonna be different than, than person B. Um, I like to utilize the fall to get to know our athletes and understanding using the, the mid-season invite to kind of see where we are and, and see if the training works and you, know, and you kind of know where we need to be on the fall semester and then kind of move forward into the Thanksgiving period and then Christmas training. And then we're finishing up the season uh, January and February and then we reset uh, after NC2A. Um, so, so to me, once, once I understand you know, what we need to be doing with particular individuals, uh, and it's kind of like either a mental note or I sometimes I wrote it down on, on practice on my phone or my practice on my phone and Google Google Doc and everything. And I would sometimes I would I would write down somewhere I need to focus on this, 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 this. And then as we go with practice, um, my message is always the same. Don't rely on repetition. Repetition is going to help you. But execution is the golden ticket. Repetition is helping you but execute, understanding how to execute things, it's more important than repetition. But if you know how to execute things, now repeat that. That's, that's how you're going to get, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. Um, yeah. Do you have any test sets that you go through throughout the year? Any progression of test sets? Or is there a race day during the week that, that you have the kids go through? I have a 2050s. I started that, I started to go 2050s all out and, and almost where it's not necessarily test set. It's, it, that's almost a repetition where it's not just 2050s all out on two minutes. It's almost about 2050s. I give them a kick count and a stroke count and go maximum as fast as you can on number one with the kick count and stroke count and then do it again. The same thing, kick count and stroke count, same thing on that. Um, I started the 2050 typically on a lower end stroke count and then gradually allowing them to add a stroke or two strokes uh, within the 50. Uh, but consistent at that, typically, uh, you know, I drop down from 2050 to 1650s to 1250s to 850s. And then the week before their, the week before their, uh, uh, their mid-season invitational, we go down to 450s with the technical suit. That's going to be on like four, four or five minutes and really kind of big, big rest. But, but they, they have some, some detail that they need to hit. And over the year, I think 2018, we had a, I had a, I coached three sprinters. It was, it was Ryan Hull was 41-0, Justin Ress at 41-3, and then Jacob Molacek at 41-5. The, the 50s repetition, I wrote everything down. I wrote their, their stroke count. I wrote their, all of them, their mid fifties of within the 100 freestyle mimic exactly the repeat fifties on the four fifties all out on that, those, those, on that set that we give them. How fired up are the guys or the girls when you get to those four fifties before the mid season? Oh yeah, that was like, good times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They were just like, oh, they, they were, because I would go, I always tell them like, hey, goal is to go a second faster than your back end 50 that you want to achieve. But you can't cheat. You gotta go. You gotta go specific. You know, it's it's to me just like you set up your body and certain certain setup and then go at that go at that point and teach your body to to operate maximum at that point because that's how you want to come home. And last year I worked with a breast sugar that 58.97 and 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 I told her the golden ticket is to go under thirty one zero zero the back end fifty. That's you want to go under I'm under fifty nine. You've got to go under 31.00 in, in the back 50. She came home in 30.97 at finals and ACC finals, and she went 58.97. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I'm not right that often, but that was, I was particularly on it. So she's the one that mentioned it to me, like, hey, you know, you told me about to get under 31.00. I came down and I came home in 30.97. I went 58.97. I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. So. There, there's so many things uh, that we're learning about breaststrokes and particularly the underwater pullout. What are your keys to great underwater pullout? Oh man, it's uh, it's 
I think more on the efficiency. Uh, well, I think the first one is the, the fastest your body traveling is pushing off the wall, right? And, and a lot of people, a lot of breastworkers, I've seen this in, in all, all, all ages, all level. Um, a lot of time when they push off the wall, they're traveling so fast and then they got that, oh, I got a dolphin kicks. That first dolphin kick, they're breaking their body lines too much on the upper body and they slow down and then they're trying to create another. But hey, you know, you're just traveling so fast and then you slow down immediately. So making sure that we're efficient from the dolphin kicks into the first pull out. Um, and then from there, you know, I think everybody teaches the same and really being narrow and then going back into that line and then, and then go start. And then I, but, but I think the, the, the key component is that maintaining the speed or a little bit less, less slow down from the pushing off the wall into the dolphin kicks into the first pull out. Understanding that. And, and I think once you do that, I think you, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to get a really, really good efficient underwater pull out. All right, man, we've made it to the, the quick fire questions and I got a good one to lead us off. And that is, will it take a sub 21 second performance in the men's 53 in Tokyo to win the gold medal? Absolutely. Caleb Dressel is the goat. <laughs> Caleb Dressel is goat. I mean, God, the guy is, uh, you know, I, I talk to uh, Coach, uh, Coach Troy all the time. I'm like, man, Coach, uh, what do you do with the sprinters, man? Come on. <laughs> Share the wealth, man. Come on. Um, now, I mean, you know, you got so many young young swimmers. Michael Andrews out there, right? The United States. Uh, Ryan Helps still going for it, right? Um, there are a lot of great sprinters out there, but I think Caleb, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Anthony Irvin is going to be out there. I mean, I don't know. You never count out the champ. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and then you got uh, on the, on the European side, uh, you got Florent Manadou is back. Um, he's, he looks good. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be in a good shape again uh, uh, going into the, the Olympics. Um, and then Bruno Fratus, uh, it's going twenty one is like going interval with him. Time twenty one, twenty one every time, right? So there's so many great sprinters uh, right now. It's such a such a cool scene to 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 watch to be a part of just just i'm just watching i just i'm as, as, a, as a swim fan i think kill dressel is gonna is gonna get it done I, only if he's not too tired to getting into the 50 freestyle i mean i don't know what's his event lined up for god knows he may be swimming for under i am yeah. <laughs> so i don't know <laughs> he's going those 4400s of troy yeah exactly <laughs> uh Bobby, we've seen so many fast women's performances in the last couple of years in the NCAA. How far away are we from a woman making that 19-9 mark come up on a relay split? Man, you're really, you're really uh, pushing the, the dream here. I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, 20, once, once, I mean, we got, well, how many women are going 20 point, right? I mean, they got, what, three? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, and so many age group swimmers now going 21 mid to 21 low. I mean, that's going, going 21 is just, I mean, I think it took 21 just to make a top eight uh, NCAA, which is, that's insane. Um, you know, when you and I were in high school, the junior national cut in the 53 was 21.6 for guys. Yeah. And that was yeah, fast. We're going, going 20 point and be like, we're the man. We're, yeah. We're, we're, we're the man. I'm the man. We we just went 20 point, you know. But right now, you got my God, like this. Uh, you know, I guess uh, the message is, you know, we the, the boys got to learn how to swim like a woman, like swim like a girl. I mean, they're they're just, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't know how. When are we gonna see 19 seconds? Uh, maybe maybe still a little bit of while. Maybe. Um, but I like to be wrong. I love to see that, and that's. Uh, I hope I'm still coaching when I when when uh, a girl go 19. The women's 800 free in Tokyo. Are we going to see a sub eight minute performance? Eight, eight minutes. I mean, Kate Ledecky, and then you got a girl from Australia. Uh, what's her name? Uh, yeah, I can't remember. But uh, I mean, I mean, I mean now I feel like it, for a long time, Katie, Katie dominated that, and then now hey, you got to you got a newcomer uh, out of Australia that's uh, keeping her on her toes a little bit. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe it's just, uh, but I, I think, again, you never count out what Katie Ledecky and, and the Stanford uh, crew can do. I mean, Stanford coaches, they, they get it done when, 
when they need to get it done. <laughs> oh, no doubt about it. All right, you ready for this one? Yeah. Strongest hat game. Holloway, Hap, Nigro, Bobby Guntaro. Or Guntaro. Guntaro, absolutely. <laughs> Look, I, I asked John, like, hey, should I wear this one? Or I wear this one? Look at that. Look at that. that. Yeah. Or this one. <laughs> Boom. I mean, you know? Yeah. You got it. That that had the mesh trucker hat was probably the first piece of equipment that you got when you went back home to Wilmington. Absolutely, you got to fit in with the beach community, you know. Um, no, I mean it's everything. Uh, it's it's the beach community. It's, have you been to Wilmington before? Yes. Oh, yeah. so yeah, it's such a beautiful place, and um, we like to keep it that way. Keep it hidden gem. Keep it keep it smaller. Yeah, so yeah. Most competitive slam ball coach, Bernardino, Holloway, or Gunturo? I'd, I'd say probably not the best at it, but the most competitive, probably Brent Nigro. He suck <laughs> at it. <laughs> he's, he's probably the worst out of us, but he, he warmed up for like 30 minutes. You have like all rolling all this thing. I'm like, Brent, it doesn't matter how long you warm up. We're still going to kick your butt. Come on. <laughs> Hey, when when is West Point and Wilmington gonna get together for a little dual meet? Next year, next year, we're we'll, we're we're gonna make it happen. Um, we we're gonna try to bring them down here. Or uh, I told I, I'm not I'm not going up there to. It's too cold, but they gotta come down here. <laughs> well, hey, Bobby, listen, man, we really appreciate you being on. Thank you from uh, the bottom of our heart and our family for everything you did for us and. Uh, you know, we're so excited for your new opportunity, and I know it's going to be fun to watch uh, the success of the program. And uh, we really appreciate you being on Coach's Corner today. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate the time, and uh, hope everybody's safe and well. And uh, hope, uh, looking forward to see you guys soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for watching. A recording of this will be available on our Fitter and Faster website as well as on our multiple social platforms. Bobby, good luck. Swim fast and have a great 2021. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.